Welcome to Rap Stories, a show where I get the background on some of my favorite albums of all time by the artists who made them. I'm your host, David Dennis Jr., and today I'm joined by Goody Mob to discuss their album, Soul Food. In 1995, the Dungeon Family Quartet, Goody Mob, comprised of CeeLo Green, Cujo, T-Mo, and Big Gip, dropped their debut project, Soul Food, which feels more like a religious text than a classic album. Growing up in the South, this album is the rap Bible. It's full of sermons about black liberation, mass incarceration, and spirituality, plus hymns and testimonies about black life in the South, namely Atlanta, Georgia, in the mid-90s. See, unfolds, young girls, 13 years old, exposed them, see. I was nine when Soul Food came out and just a little too young to understand the complexities of what Goody Ma was rapping about all throughout this project. But I do remember Cell Therapy. It was the first single that rang off like a hood-ass nursery rhyme that everyone in school was repeating. Either on the playground or after school, as a kid in the South, you couldn't go anywhere without rapping along to the lyrics. And let's not forget that beat. It's one of the grimiest organized noise productions they've ever put together. It was as haunting as it was hype. They'll say it's fake, no mercy. Fool, you should beat my least worries. Got a deal with W2. Soul Food is the first time most of the world had heard of the phrase Dirty South. You gotta remember, this is before hits like Welcome to Atlanta and Get Low, before rappers were in press conferences calling the city Wakanda. My family moved in our apartment complex. A gate with the cereal code was put up Before Jeezy, Ludacris, and the Migos. Hell, this is before the 1996 Olympics. Atlanta was known as the home of Dominique Wilkins, Freak Nick, Coca-Cola, and a deep history of civil rights work. To listen to Soul Food is to go back to that very specific cultural moment when Atlanta and the South was on the cusp of a transformative era. This album is also one of the very first trap albums in hip-hop history. Groundbreaking doesn't even begin to do Soul Food justice. When I revisit Soul Food, I feel all of that and more. These four brothers run through so many emotions and lessons that it's almost overwhelming. They opened up their hearts and spirits about black motherhood, the prison industrial complex, police violence, paranoia, and black masculinity. The group displays so much honesty and vulnerability that it feels cathartic, especially in a genre that is often focused on holding up the mask of apathy and shit talking. To me, Soul Food isn't just an album. It's a work of literary excellence in the tradition of Kiese Lehman, Jesmyn Ward, Imani Perry, Maurice Garland, and Regina Bradley. There's not a more pure and vibrant example of painting a picture of blackness in the South than soul food. And as someone from Mississippi, I know one thing for sure. I'll always know what to say when anyone asks, who's that peeping in your window? And here to discuss one of rap's most influential albums is one of the greatest music groups ever, a crew that set a standard for black Southern artistic expression and some of the illest MCs of all time, Goody Mob. Hey, man. Hey, hey. Man. Woo! That was an incredible introduction, my brother. Awesome, man. Great job, my brother. I'm trying to tell you, man. I want a copy of that, man. I need a copy of that, awesome, man. man. 
I got to copy and paste that somewhere. Man. I got you. Got to go. Up. I got you. We'll put we'll put it there and send it to all. The, it'll be an honor for real. Nice, nice, nice. All right, let's get into the show, brothers. Thank you so much for being here. What are your thoughts when the word soul food come to mind? Family, man. I mean, me personally, man. When I think of soul food, I think of um, I think of a time where families sit down and just talk about things. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those times that. You know what I'm saying? Either we're doing it now or getting back to doing that, man. But it really brings family to my mind when I hear soul food, when we're talking about food, period. You know what I mean? That's one time that a family can get together and just about talk about anything. You know what I mean? Soul food, the beginning. It's the beginning for us. You know what I mean? It's just um, we worked so hard to get the opportunity. By the time it was time for soul food, we was ready. So, I mean... Um, Soul Food is just the beginning of this book, you know, like uh, it's still going. We're still in chapters. So the the beginning is always the greatest because you would never have that feeling again. But what we did and what we laid down, I, I think that it'll last the test of time. So, you know, that's any artist. Uh, that's what you strive for to be an artist is to be remembered and be remembered for a great work. So Soul Food is our champion. Yeah, man. Soul food, man. The alpha. You know, it's the alpha. Alpha dog, man, on our uh in our portfolio. You know, it was the beginning for, for Goody Mob. It, it, it actually was the connecting body of work that, that glued each one of us as a foursome, you know, together. You know, what I mean, we came together as the Dungeon family on Outcast first album. And um Soul Food really was just our opportunity to show the world what Southwest Atlanta had brewing for many, many months and many, many years, you know, to come. You know, I have been, you know what I'm saying, blessed to be a part of a, of a loving family, man, that ate, ate soul food every Thursday, you know, together, you know. So that's that song really touched my spirit and my soul. Every time I think about it, I think about my grandmama and my family, you know what I'm saying, and my good and my brothers, you know what I'm saying, just us coming together and working the world together, man, and going out here for nothing, man, just to push the message, man, to let these people, you know, know what was coming from our heart as far as a musical, from a musical standpoint. I just want to reiterate just like the impact that this work of art has on me and people like me who came up from the South. I mean, especially at the time, everybody loves Atlanta now. Everybody, you know, says they love the South now. But at that time, it was like people would say they would never come to the South. People say they don't even come to places like Atlanta or Jackson or Birmingham. And they miss out on the beauty that comes from being black in the South. And what Soul Food did for me was that it just showed that this was just a beautiful space for black people. That's always been a beautiful space for black people as long as we've been here. And y'all put that out almost 30 years ago before it was a cool thing to do. So it's just like one of those like lasting legacies of, of an album like this. And I could add to that too and say, man, that we did make a conscious effort to try to make a body of work that could stand the test of time. So it wasn't total luck, you know what I mean, that it stood the test of time. It was just uh, coincidental that our record found relevance, you know, with that COVID situation and all that, man, people really were able to connect the dots with what Good Mob was talking about in 1995, you know what I'm saying, firsthand, you know? So it, 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 it was a real 
wonderful experience for Goody Mob because, like I said, it uh, gave us a breath of new life to a new generation of people. When did this album feel like a classic album to y'all? When I first heard it, bro. Right. <laughs> first time I heard it, and I heard CeeLo sing free, Lord, it's so hard. And I said, it ain't nothing out there I have ever heard in the hip-hop community that's like this, man. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I got to pop the collar, man. Straight up, low green, bro. When I heard that, when I heard, when we brought Goody Mob whole album together, we said, man, we got it, y'all. It's done. And I heard that record on the front, man, of how, how the record began from the beginning to the end. Bro, I cried, man. I cried. I think when we started going out on the road and just really started doing the music, and um, and then when people start really learning the lyrics that we were saying, you know what I mean, and then started repeating what we were saying, I was like, okay, man, this this right here gonna be a classic. And then and then lately, man, we've been celebrating like the 25th year anniversary of Soul Food. So, with that being said, then a lot of people just you know what I mean, just giving us that accolades about you know what I'm saying how that was one of the most one of the greatest. Atlanta hip hop albums, you know what I'm saying, that came out. You know what I mean? When we doing when we was making history, we didn't really know we was really making history. I just thought that we was really trying to represent, you know what I'm saying, put put Atlanta on the map because, you know, the South was known for different type of music. You know what I mean? That we wasn't really known for a conscious music, you know what I mean? Until I think until, you know, Goody Mob just kind of jumped on in there with Soul Food. You know what I mean? So definitely one of one one of the most important albums that we ever made because yeah it was the first album and it was an innocent album and it was like man this is us man and uh y'all gonna have to take it or leave it man what do you mean by innocent what do you mean by innocent album because it was done without anybody influence you know like if you look at the record industry now it's like the record company damn near the group they tell the group what to say put them on different beats bring them songs already done in them days, it was it was just like, yo, I believe in y'all, and they let them cut the check, organize noise, and we went into the studio and started working. You know what I mean? They had no hand in what we were doing, and they they didn't know what we was going to talk about. They just had the the two examples from from Outkast first album, Call It a Wild, and Get Up, Get Out, and Get Some. So for them, they was just like, we got so much attention from just being on those two records that they made sure that they wanted to, you know see what we could do with a whole project. So, you know, for me personally, it's like the innocence comes because it was nobody's involvement but ours. And nobody can ever claim that, but, you know, Goody Mark organized noise in the city of Atlanta. When was the last time I listened to the album? All the way through? Ooh. It's a recurring thing for me. You know what I mean? I just listen to it just on, it, it, just to keep me, if, I, if I'm gonna go and record, on something else, I listen to that to just get into that mind frame. You know what I mean? It's it's just a real easy thing because it seemed like those songs, they just, as soon as they come on, they put you at a certain place in a certain time. And especially since we're the authors, we know exactly what them verses were derived from. So it kind of puts you right back into that capsule of pain or that capsule of just, you know, experiencing something else in life that you wasn't, you wasn't, you know, you weren't up on so soul food is just like it's, it's like what you said it's like it's a bible it's a bible you know most of the artists that came out of atlanta in the south i mean that album is studied just to figure out can i get something from that that can help me right now so you know it, it is as far as the south one of the bibles of the south 
Kujo, when was the last time you listened to it? Through its entirety, man, it's, it's been a minute, man. But the, the thing that I like about it is, is like when we do our shows, we just put out a new album two years ago called Survival Kit, right? But still, when we go do our shows, man, we got to do Soul Food. We got to do Cell Therapy. We got to do Day on Dance No More. We got to do Thought Process. So it's like I'm, I'm listening to the music over again, but it's I'm listening to it live. You know what I mean? But to listen for me to listen to that the last time I listened to Soul Food all the way through, man, I, I couldn't get through it because I was it was tears. I was out tears were coming out of my eyes because I just thought back to like how we was young, man, and man, how do we how was we just able to just hunker down, man, and put put this body of work together? Cause it just were no eight bars and no sixteen bars. I mean, these were like long poems, man. You know what I mean? That that organized noise just open the gate and just said, man, y'all just go for what y'all know. You know what I mean? So it's a thick record. It's a thick album to listen to, man. And uh, after this, man, I'm probably going to go jump on it, man, and check it out, man. See if I right. see if I can get through it, man. Timo? It's been about 12 months, man, for me. It's been about, about a year since I actually listened to each from the beginning to the to the end. You know, I had listened to all the songs back to back like that, you know. I, I go in and, and I might want to hear you know, one song here, I might want to hear a couple songs there, but as far as listening to the whole album back to back, I, I can remember doing it last year for a purpose. You know what I mean? I did it for a reason. You know, I was really just trying to trying to get some of that energy from back back in the days, back into my spirit, man. You know, like Gibb say, when you hear them, them old records, they take you back to that moment in time, and sometimes that's where I want to be. You know, and sometimes I can't stand this. This time, he'll get on my nerves. I ain't going to even lie, man. Just to cut on the TV and cut on Instagram all day long, keep seeing this good, these good folks dying over bullshit. Hey, man, every day, bro, every day, man, we see what we stand for on TV, on the internet, in real life, man. So, you know, I I need to listen to some more Good and Mob. You know, it keep me going, man. It keep me going. That's a good point about going back and listening to it, because, like, even when I go back, it is like a book, because, like, I don't listen to the album in one sitting. You know what I'm saying? Like you listen to a few tracks and you really have to sit with it yeah. and then like take a minute and go to the next one. And usually you people would say that as a negative, but it's not negative for this album because you really have to sit with everything for so long and then come back to it instead of just listening to it in one sitting. That's how I listen to it. Yeah, it's like food, man. You can't eat too much of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you eat, if you, you might get that itis, you know what I mean? You might mess around and, <laughs> and go to sleep, man, and wake up, man. It, it'd be over, man. But but like I said, man, it was a great start for us. You know what I mean? We're talking about one of the greatest albums to come up out of Georgia, period. You know what I mean? It's an honor, man, just to even be in that category. I want y'all to sort of take us, because like I said, like a lot of people do not know what the South and Atlanta was back then. You know, like, I want you to take us back to, like, pre-Olympics. You know, people think of Atlanta as, like, you go to the Coca... I remember I took a trip to Atlanta when I was a kid. Went to the Coca-Cola Museum. Uh, went to the aquarium. Went and saw Martin Luther King. All that stuff. You know, but, like, <laughs> what was in the city? What was going on in the city in the South? And what were y'all bringing into the studio that was on your minds when y'all were making this album? First of all, the process. How long was it from beginning to end? And then what were y'all bringing to the studio? It was surreal, like, during that time, because... You know, you got to understand that we were so much a part of Outkast success, too. We were so much involved in the making of Southern players that Cadillac music. You know what I mean? So it was surreal because the time that it took to do the Outkast album, 
was just like an everyday thing with us because it was like Outkast was at the studio every day. We would just show up, we would be around them. But when it was time for Goody Mob, it was just like, it was Goody Mob time. So us being able to stay at Curtis Mayfield House, consolidate our thoughts, it was, it was a great experience. And also to be in such a legendary artist's house, to be able to see his works and to have that inspiration to be able to, he could hear what was going on. So it was kind of like, it was a great thing because it even reinforced us to be us at that time. You know, like we didn't want to be nobody else. I think that's the difference between Goody Mob and a lot of people. We never wanted to be nobody else. We just wanted the, the system to accept us of who we were. So I think being in his house, it gave it gave us more confidence because we was we was we were starting to level up, you know, and see that we was uh we were ready. We had finally got to the place where we were ready to give and be able to really give the audience a real album and something really to say. We had lived enough. You know, that's that's the whole thing about albums and if they're gonna be great or not. Are the people that wrote these lyrics, have they lived enough? Have they have they been through enough to be able to come up with something better than just the club? So you got to think about that whole album had no club songs on it. You know what I mean? And you know, like, that's what lets you know that we were totally not worried about what the radio was going to say. We was worried about what our peers, our mothers, our fathers, our family, and everybody else, we was making sure that we represented them in the best light. So, you know, I, I think that's the reason why Soul Food came out so good because we, at the same time that we were trying to express ourselves, we also was trying to make sure that we represented ourselves at a, in a higher light and a higher level. And I think I was doing that, you know, especially during that time, people don't understand that we were, we're in the midst of the East-West shit. We're in the midst of... of, of is, is New York hip hop still the thing or is West Coast the monster that Dr. Dre has created? You know what I mean? So being in the midst of that, knowing that we had to say something that could stick, you know, bigger than gangster rap or bigger than what hip hop was out of New York, we had to make sure that people had a clear picture of what it was like growing up in Southwest Atlanta. And that was soul food. I got a question later where we talk about studio memories, but I can't go without talking about, I need to know what it was like. Was Curtis Mayfield just, I mean, I know things were deteriorating for him probably around that time, but were you, are there any interactions with him or anything like that that you remember? Like, that's crazy. I did not, I was crazy to be recording in his, like this album in his house. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. His son used to come through. Son used to come through and see Coach. They had a dude that used to be the engineer. He used to come through. So yeah, he, he knew exactly what was going on. Like, but I know one thing that he did come through one, one or two of them days, and I know that I got my actual jumpsuit that I wore on the Soul Food album. I got it from him. So, yeah, he wasn't there when we recorded, but he did come through. And I, we were able to be Superfly. And he, he had all of the original recordings of Superfly in his bedroom on a small two-inch. So... It wasn't like he didn't come through that place and he didn't come through there and still buy because after Soul Food, you know, a couple of years later, you know, Organized Noise and Curtis Mayfield did the last album before he left us. So, yeah, he was he definitely was definitely was an inspiration and definitely was around. You know what I mean? 
what was your day-to-day life like as y'all were coming in and making this album? Because y'all seem to be bringing in so much heaviness and things from all the stuff that was going on around you. What was sort of, you know, sort of those pivotal moments as y'all recording this? Man, man, for me, it was just trying to make sure we, trying to make sure we got them verses together, man. Really, man. I mean, because, I mean, uh, yeah, man, just trying to make sure, still living life, man. You know what I'm saying? Because we was, I still, I think we were still fresh out of high school, though, right? We still hustling, Joe. Well, yeah, we were doing a little hustling, you know what I mean? But not to the point to where we was kingpins, you know what I mean? But, you know what I'm saying? We definitely was uh, in the streets, but the streets wasn't really, the street life wasn't really for us, you know what I mean? I think it was just for us to look and see what was going on, man, and and report about it, man, and um, and keep it moving, you know what I mean? So, I, for me... My thing was to just to, to jot it down, write it down, man, as, as, as quick as I could before I forget it, man. You know what I'm saying? Because you got you got the goody mug coming in behind you, man. And I mean, man, being young as they were, man, they still were a force to be reckoned with, man. I mean, you got actual writers. I mean, no ghost writers. I mean, we was writing all this stuff on our own. You know what I mean? So just think about that. I mean, all them verses. We was on all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, man, just trying to um, just trying to put that flag up for Atlanta, man. Really, man, for me, it was a slow place, though, Joe. It was slow. Yeah. Like Atlanta was real slow before the Olympics. It was a real slow place. Like it was, it was just a big city, but it was still like a small town. I think we ain't yeah. really blow blow until after the Olympics. After the Olympics, that's when it, this shit became bright lights, big city. You know what I mean? But before then, man, it was a small town, man. People were home by 9, 30, 8 o'clock, man, having dinner with their families, man. You know what I mean? Going to the park on Sunday. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, man, but it it, it, was, it was that fire, dog. You know what I'm saying? It, it was small town, but it was that G-State. Now, you know, it would depend on where you was at, baby, because, you know what I'm saying, that guy, dog, the park, like Joe say, the park, that Moser Park on Sunday, man, we, we, shut, it, it, we shut it down so bad. And when you ride down MLK to this day, you'll see some no cruising signs out there. They had to create laws to stop all the brothers from cruising on Sunday. We was over there, man, at Hallwell Park, over there, man, on got on the back street. We was over there, we was over there on uh, at uh, Maddox Park on Bankhead on Sunday. I'm talking about it was, it's always been look, That's why the freak nick was so big, because people used to hang deep, man, back in the days, man. We were real, real deep back in the day. I was at Mars Brown College, man. You know what I'm saying? Back, back in them wonderful days, man, I, I used to box, man. Me and Cujo was recording our record, man, with the Good and Mar, man, before the Good and Mar doing music, man, just absorbing energy. Man, you had Bobby Brown, you had got uh, Dallas Austin. So to me, man, that's them were the days where you, we had real, real celebrities in Atlanta, Georgia. Like, them were the days of the real Atlanta celebrities. Like, these folk around here don't, don't shake me at all. Like, I don't, you know, they, they, they whatever they is. But back then, to me, we had Bobby Brown, and you had got doing uh what's the little new the uh the little kids I forgot the little kids they used to rap man ABC you had ABC you had Chris Cross man I'm talking about they were they were hot as fish grease remember Chris Cross went on tour with Michael Jackson man come on dog I'm talking about me and Joe we used to be over there at, at Jermaine Dupree house trying to get a deal getting on my record we in a couple of the Chris Cross videos if you go back and look at it man so that's when the Atlanta hip hop scene it was coming. That's when uh, 112 was real hot, when the club scene was real hot with fire. I'm talking about that's when it was at its best. 
You know what I'm saying? Like right now, nobody want to go to no club, man. Ain't nobody thinking about going to no club now. But back then, bro, that's that's where it was all born. That's where it all came from. We we from that cloth. I know good and well I'm from that cloth, man. So anytime you want to know about the air and what it was all about back in the day, baby, we was in them streets. We lived it. We walked them. Lived them and breathed them, baby. Believe it. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine Bobby Brown at Freak Nick. That seems like that seems like a oh a... that Freak Nick was sick, man. <laughs> man, we be at every Freak Nick, every single Freak. Man, I started a Freak. Man, we we started a Freak Nick over at Mosley Park back in the day. Man, check my records, bro. Back in the day, the Freak Nick started Mosley Park, not Mosley Park. Uh, Adams, um, uh, uh, Johnny White Park back in the corner. It wasn't nothing but like a frat. It was a fraternity picnic. A bunch of different Omegas and. Other different uh, fraternities and sororities used to get together, man. They had a picnic back in the back, and it just started growing. It started growing. It started growing. People come over there, get drunk, hanging out, smoking, kicking it. It was love, man. It's a different vibe, man. I talked about how the the album feels so literary to me, like like a like a book. And one of the stories that I that I saw was Buster Rhymes talking about handing you guys pale white horse when y'all made cell therapy. I think you said you said it on on Drink Champs. Y'all remember that yep. that story? And then also, yeah. So can can y'all? Because I don't think we ever got y'all side of the of of the story with, with Buster Rhymes. Well, I know I was in uh, uh, Boss Town one day, and I was saying I I, I I we was all sitting in that Boss Town trying to about to record, and ran into uh, Buster Rhymes. I was shocked. We were shocked to death to see him up in there. And we just started building with him. I know Low got the the book first. I think Low or Gil, one of y'all got the the book first. Y'all read it first. I read it after y'all. I, I got a chance to, to dive in and, and absorb some of that super energy, you know what I'm saying, after everybody, man. But Big Rude was one of the teachers and leaders on the um, Behold the Pale Horse movement, too, amongst our crew. Big Rude was the one that kind of helped me to, to understand it a little bit better when I was reading it, man, because I sure enough didn't have a clue. I went from that. We were kids, man, trying to read that type of information, man. You know, right now, I, I can receive it and accept it and understand it a whole lot better than I could at 21 years old. You know what I'm saying? But I, I was trying to understand it and trying to get a better understanding of what we need to be talking about in our music. I know that way. It, it definitely formulated, you know what I'm saying, a direction, a, a direction when we got to the studio. It, it gave, it cut a lot of bull crap out. Say, you know what? We don't want to cut. It's already a lane for this. It's already a lane for that. You know what I mean? Let's, let's think about what we're doing and vibe on what we got right here at hand. Cell Therapy gave us a chance, man, to just to let the whole world know that the South went just about strip club music or just about some whatever type of stereotype that people thought the South was all about. That one song gave us a chance, man, to just to, uh, to get some type of type of information out to our people. But if you notice, that was the only song like that on the album that was talking about those type of those type of things. You know what I mean? The rest of the stuff was about things that was going on in our city, you know what I mean? By just having a having a voice, uh, not only on in in music, but just really having a voice. Period. Because some of the things that we talked about on that record, you know what I'm saying? The people of that city corrected those things. You know what I mean? So you know, big shout out to Buster man for just to even um to hand us just some more information, man. That 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 just rounded our our music out even more. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, big ups, big ups to the brother like that, man, for passing down. Because it's, it's about each one, teach one. And I think cell therapy was definitely that catalyst, man, that really separated us from Southern groups, period. So it's like my verses were literal, you know what I mean? Because I was like, you know, I had to take 
responsibility and accountability for bringing the streets to my house. You know what I mean? And the different things like that, that that I feel like you don't know until it happened to you. You know what I mean? And then again, let's speak about where music is now. You know, people want to, it seems like people now more enjoy living in, in the party and living in real life. So that's why you got to understand it's real. The today's people are a little bit kind of like withdrawn from that because everybody trying to escape reality. But in those times, people wanted to understand everything about reality. You know, the, everything was so new. Internet re- interaction, you know, uh, uh, people moving to Atlanta, different cultures moving to Atlanta, you know. And, and, you know, so with that being said, it was like the book just represented the last piece we needed to complete soul food. And that's what people don't understand it. Cell therapy, and I believe Dirty South were two of the last songs we did on that album. If you don't mind, you mentioned the the break in the house break in. What what is the actual backstory to that that you that you rapped about on the, on the album? Well, I'm talking in the soul food line where I'm telling you I read in between the lines. You know what I mean? Like I knew that me dealing with certain people in the street and bringing certain people back to my house is the reason why my house got broke in for me having dealers in the street. So that's the reason why Sesame Street was so personal to me because I talked about first the house being broken into and then our little partner across the street, little journey. It, that, that's during the time everybody experimenting with crime. Where you fit. You're a D-boy, you're a robber. What, what are you? You know what I mean? So during that time, I remember little Shawty, he was part of our crew. He went to the mall. He got caught you know, stealing clothes, and he was so scared that he hung himself before he went to the court. You know what I mean? And I know that that was because at that time in my neighborhood and around me, you know, everybody was experimenting with crime. You know what I mean? He took his life because he was scared, you know, of the justice system or going to court. So, you know, it was that's what I mean. Like, every verse to me was something that really, really happened to me. I never really did the 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 the, the makeup stuff, you know. What I mean, I never, I, it's hard for me to do that kind of shit, you know what I mean. But I had enough experiences with a lot of things in life that, you know, what I mean, a lot of people just don't talk about. But you know, that's why soul food was just so great because if a person looking for stories that can tell them about the good and the bad, I think soul food is a is a is a great example of where you can go and show people how hip-hop can really be used to teach instead of uh being used to you know for the party it's good you can have a party but like i said that album didn't have one record that was geared toward the radio on it and it's a classic so it just as, as an artist i feel like i beat the system because i did it my way when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Soul Food peaked at number eight on the Billboard Hip Hop charts. Source gave it uh, four out of five mics. MTV banned the cell therapy video, which I definitely want to talk to y'all about that. Like, what was your thoughts on the reaction to the album, but also MTV banning this video at the time? We were the second ones at the public enemy to get banned. Right. <laughs> it is what it is. That Now we know. Anytime you say truth, man, you're going to get banned. Kuja, what was your thought when you got the source thing back? How important was that to you at the time to see the four out of five mics in the source? Is that something you were thinking about? Yeah, that was important, man, at the time. You know what I'm saying? Source was the, that was the the, the Bible, the magazine, rap magazine. You know what I mean? So you get a, you get five mics up in there. You know what I'm saying? You certified as a as a classic. You know what I mean? So unfortunately, we didn't get that four mics. And I, and I can understand why we didn't get it. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, our album was a, wasn't a, a, a I said it wasn't an all-out round album because we wanna it wasn't a party party album, but we still were the type of people that still love to go out, have a good time, man, and 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 do what young folk do, you know what I mean? But it was just that uh it was just that at that particular time, man, that's the message that the most high wanted to relay to the whole world at a, at that time from four Southern brothers, man, that you wouldn't even expect to hear this type of material come from so when we didn't get that five mic i was like wow man it must be somebody really hating on us man you know what i mean i, I really i really felt like i really felt like i was man at that time i felt like new york was hating on us because i mean that was a new york they cheated us, dog. that was a new york publication you know what i mean but that what about what about outcast did they give them they gave them four and a half mics right they gave them four and a half right so they didn't get outcast to get five until equimini yeah they got four and a half on that one. they cheated us we should have got five mics on Soul Food and we should have got five mics on Still Standing. Yeah, man, they cheated us, man. <laughs> See, check this out. Period, check girl. this out. One of the writers that I know said that he got a lot of threats from that five mic thing from Outcast, man. Got a lot of threats from doing that, man. Uh, Charlie Braxton? Yes. Charlie Braxton, the Mississippi writer legend, wrote the... Yeah, legendary, bro. The Quimini Review and probably a lot of y'all reviews in the source also. Oh, yeah, he the man. Yes. I can imagine he was advocating for a full five mics for Soul Food. Man, I know he was. I know he was. And that's the thing about it, though, man. I mean, that would have been awesome to have that, that accolade. But, I mean, we we good. We good now. I mean, because, like I said, about two years ago, man, people starting to listen to Serial Therapy and really dive into it and really see what it's all about. And you got young artists out, out there like Travis Scott sampling the Serial Therapy and a lot of other um, young artists out here sampling it too so I, I, they're not just only listening to the music i'm pretty sure they're going back through that listening to what we were talking about and enlightening themselves too at the same time since cell therapy became more popular in the last couple of years people have been asking and so we got to get the official goody mob explanation what is operation heartbreak hotel that was the jail down there on, on p street right there right across the street from uh, magic city so if you get crazy all they got to do is walk you right across the street to the jail. So that's what that's what Heartbreak Hotel, that's what that was, man. That was a little slang that we started to call it because, yeah, you get up in there, it's going to break your heart, man. So you, you got to stay down. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess so. Oh, that 254. Yeah, stay down, baby. Stay down. Hotel 254, man. Heartbreak Hotel 254, man. Yeah. At the time, we didn't realize that it was a pipeline from high school 
to a prison. We didn't realize what that was. We just thought it was like, wow, man, what's what's going on, man? Why are these brothers and sisters are dying over bullshit at a young age at this time where we was the same age, you know what I mean? And instead of writing about some party shit, we had to sit here and write about what was going on in our neighborhood and what was going on with the community. You know what I mean? So that's what was happening back then at that time, man. People have been dying to know that. And again, I think it's a perfect time to talk about the way you guys talk about mass incarceration and the way it's stamped in all of these early, especially early Dungeon Family albums. I mean, like, especially like when I think about Equimini, also people think about all these other things, but mass incarceration, three strikes is all over that album, just like it is here. Talk about that sort of impact on your lives and like the way that you addressed it in the album. One thing, one thing. If you look at the logo, the logo is the good and it's got a man hanging in there and it's got handcuffs. So it's like the good die mostly over bullshit. That's what we was looking at. And then we also tried to have a solution is that when you take one O and let you know that at least God is in every man of blackness. So it is some good and somebody, you know what I mean? So that's what we were, um, that's what we was coming up on, man, back in the nineties, man, seeing our peers falling victim to that and 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 us myself falling victim to having to, to go sit down or get locked up, you know what I mean? But that was that was going on back then, man. I'm just, you know, saying thankful that uh this is the path that I chose to do music and then try to motivate and inspire and help people on the way. You know what I mean? Timo, you mentioned like these tapes that you were watching, all that stuff. Like what were you locked in on in terms of trying to get a better understanding of all this stuff when you were rapping about it? Well, the first album, like I said, I was just locked in on brotherhood and I had just lost my brother. You know what I'm saying? One of my best friends on the face of God's earth, man. King Bean, man. Anthony Bernard Hampton. You know what I mean? When, when King Bean died, it just, it, it touched my soul so much because like that was somebody who I talked to on a daily basis every day, hung out with me, kicked it, like really just Knew my life, man. And um, when I lost him, it, it just kind of showed me, it gave me more direction on what I needed to do. But at the same time, I was trying to find myself because I had just got locked up, you know what I'm saying? Selling drugs and stuff, man, and doing stupid stuff that I don't really try to get no type of brownie points off, you know, selling drugs or being in that game and nothing like that. Because like Kujo said, I wasn't ever no kingpin and nothing like that at it. You know what I'm saying? I was just out here hustling, man, trying to get to it, man, trying to get to the garage, trying to make some money, man, trying to survive the game. But um, I also learned that, you know what? I got locked up doing it. You know what I'm saying? And, and one thing my home was my buzz, no, I ain't that, I ain't the snitching type. You know what I'm saying? I, I got locked up for real, for real, man. I could have really got into some serious trouble. You know what I'm saying? I really had some things on me. You know what I'm saying? And, um, grace of God, man, just covered me. And, 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 and not only that, I was a freshman in college. I was in college at Morris Brown College. And, um, you know, the, 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 the system was able to see that I was a brother I had that, that was really intending on trying to do something good, but got caught up in a bad circle. You know, so they gave me another opportunity to make good. And believe you me, I made good. <laughs> what are the most memorable studio moments that y'all had while putting this album together? Like any stories that you have from being in the studio and making the album? Oh, man, I could think about the time when we did Thought Process in Curtis Mayfield studio. That was like my first time ever freestyling, recording it. You know what I mean? I was like, dog, man, did I just do that? I was like, damn, okay. 
<laughs> All right, okay. I'm, uh, I think I might got the hang of it, man. I mean, like I said, just hearing, just waiting to hear how T gonna come, or man, or how or how Gip gonna come. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, well, damn, the motherfucker got them doing it, so I got to dig deep. You know what I mean? So just being in the studio, man. I, I just being that. I can remember just going to to the dungeon, man. Where man, just spending the night in the dungeon, man. I was like, damn, that shit's so damn cool, man. I mean. I mean, I ain't got to go home tonight, man. I mean, no, you ain't got to go home tonight. Oh, damn, man, what we going to eat? Oh, no, we got something to eat. We got, man, we we got you, man. It was just like, it was just like being at camp for me, man. Like, like going to the dungeon, man, writing, man, listening to music like all day. I mean, just even if you sleep, just hearing the music in your head, waking up, you know what I'm saying, finishing up that last little piece of that verse, you know what I mean? I think everybody sort of assumed or know CeeLo's freestyling at the end of Goodie Bag, but how much freestyling were y'all doing on this album? None. We was writers, man. I ain't freestyle. I ain't gonna lie. We wrote that song. But see did. See freestyle that that goodie bag. CeeLo did that goodie bag. That's my most memorable moment in the studio. That's mine right there. I can remember that date. Like Cujo said, we was at Curtis Mayfield studio. I remember Joe there. I remember Ked there. You know what I'm saying? I remember Ray, Gilb. I remember everybody who was all up in that thing that day. I never forget that thing, man. And everybody was just in there just vibing, man. We were having fun. in the we was all in the vocal booth. We had big, um, blankets in the vocal booth. We were laying down. And I mean, it was really just, just like a boys club or something, man. Like a retreat area. And boy, that day there, man, Low did. That's why it's so long, because he was freestyling on that thing. So... That's my most memorable studio moment. That day there. Yep. Yep. What was your most memorable studio moment? I don't know, man. It's so many, man. The album went from one place to another because we had some good nights in Doppler. I mean, we went to Doppler. Like, man, we had some tree sound. We had some like tree sound. Tree sounds was crazy because I remember us starting a lot of doing some of like uh some of them first songs in tree sound. And we did some of that first stuff in Tree Sound. It damn near got to be like them last songs, like them last songs we put, because we did cell therapy at the end, y'all. We did cell therapy at the end, and 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 for and uh and and Dirty South. Those were the last two songs we did in the studio. Then the next time we came to the studio, that's when we all was in the studio and they played it with the breaks and everything. But the last song we recorded. Was was cell therapy and dirty south. What songs on the album do you think have aged the best, uh, or that aged like maybe you know you weren't as into them at first, but they're the ones that stick to you now? You know, almost thirty years later. For me, man, it's two of them. It's Sesame Street, man. That's got to be one of my favorite songs, man. Just the name Sesame Street. And I wanted to shoot a video so bad with that, with the Sesame Street Muppets and all that, man. I thought that was just going to be, <laughs> I thought we could do that, man. I was like, nah, we ain't going to be able to do that. But Sesame Street, man, was a, was a real storytelling song, man. I don't even, I didn't even realize that I was telling the story. You know what I mean? But that song, that song was so tough, man. Cause I remember Timo going there, busting his verse out. And when he first did it, man, my, my, my jaw just hit the ground. I was like, God, Damn. And then he was like, nope, I got to do it again. I was like, oh, man, don't, don't do it again. And you, you still can't tell. But it was just, it was, it was some of them moments. I was like, oh, man, no. But he did it the, the exact same way, man. The energy was just so fucking hard. And then 
this this is what a lot of people don't know about Gip being a, a writer. Gip was the one that wrote that hook. And that was the, almost like a song that we damn near produced our dad ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Putting it together and doing all that, man. That was one of the songs. So yeah, Sesame Street was one of those for me, man, because it definitely got a lot of lot of story in it, man. A lot of a lot of realism in it, man. You know what I mean? Because you done get soul food, man, for me. Yeah. It's one of my songs because I really, really took people into an experience of what it's like growing up and being me. Like my father cooking me dinner or cooking me breakfast every morning. You know what I mean? Like always being there for me. Uh so that song was just personal because it it, it totally it, it 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 explained my life as a normal person, you know what I mean? Like what did I go through in my everyday life? That verse soul food really took people into my household to see, you know, and then the second song would be Guess Who. Guess Who too was very much though though that verse was very much about, you know, uh Having your mother, man, your mother always had your back, even against the police, if, if she feel like you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that that actual verse, I think it really, it was the first time outside of what Tupac did, the first time that anybody from my side did something in that vein. And I think uh, that's a classic record there, Guess Who. I mean, Timo, I'm going to get you in a second, but I, I do want to, I mean, Guess Who is such a special record and it, like is, the album in general has so many like tributes and honor towards black women, the album, you know, in the album, especially at a time when that was not like the thing to do. Like you mentioned, Tupac had done it. It wasn't all over the place. Talk about the impact of black women and things like that on this album and and the way that you, you know, honor so many of them. We had to, you know, from where we come from, like we don't come from the West. We don't come from New York. Where we from our mothers were everything. Our mothers was here. Our mothers were in our life. So I think that's the difference. You know what I mean? A lot of people just was just looking for us to be, to join in to what was going on everywhere else. And, and I think that all of our songs were totally different. You know, we represented our women in totally different light. You know, what everybody else was doing at that time. You know, because to go from Guess Who to, to Damn Beautiful Skin, it's like, okay, like we really hammered down on the fact that we were going to respect our, our women in the South. So, you know, I, I think that's, the, that's another reason why I think that Goody Mom has had such a long and a long lasting time as far as people loving our music because we really represented us in the best light that we could at that time when 95% of rap was was bitch, 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 bitch. <laughs> that was just the time, then, you know what I mean? So it was like, I think we really did something. I'm always dying to hear Pimp C stories that y'all have. Man, I was in there that, that same day. That same day I heard that record, I was sitting back there in the back chilling. I had just seen, I had never, UGK was brand new. So it wasn't like, he was like no big legend like he is now. But I knew about him from Cujo. I went over Cujo's house and he had a poster in his room with uh, underground kings on it. I used to always say, man, who is that? You know what I'm saying? Who are them? Who are they? 
And he was like, yo, man, that's Underground King, you know, Pimp C. Bum B. And I be goddamn, man, if they didn't come in the bedroom, man, at Rico House. I was like, oh, my God. That's Pimp C. Bum B. Like, it was just amazing, man. It was amazing to see the poster in Joe's room, and then they come walk in the room, man. I'm like, whoa, we connected, bro. You know what I'm saying? We connected right now. There's some good stuff going on right here, man. Good, good musical energy going on. Were there any instances with things that, that got cut or that it got changed last minute from what they originally were? Hey, man, I don't know about them guys, man. Six song. I went in there, man. I redid my vocals on, on them songs, man. I redid them. I redid them. I came with a different energy, different smoke on them records, man. Organized Noah, man, didn't know which one to come with, man. Them boy picked the wrong one for me. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? It's still a classic. You know what I'm saying? So it's all good, man. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you want to know what's going on, I got to tell you what's happening. You know what I'm saying? That's how it was, man, for real, man. And, and the reason why what happened, I can't blame Organized. I got to blame myself. I always find fault in me before I find fault in others. So I say, you know what? It was my fault for not going to the meets. Wait, what's, what six songs we talking about? And does it drive you crazy when you listen to it? Yeah, it drives me crazy. Every time I hear it, boy, I'm telling you, I'll be sick of it, man. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't stay. I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, nah, I love it, man. It wasn't never that bad, man. I'm just a perfectionist, man. I like to go in, man, and nitpick with it. Man, I nitpick with a song forever, man. So it was time for it to just be snatched and put out, man. But at the same time, I felt like I could just do a little bit more to make it sound a little bit better. That's all. Which six songs we talking about? Cell therapy for one, uh -huh. Omni one million inside for two, thought process for three, Sesame Street for four. Man, it's been too long ago for me to remember <laughs> all that, man. Right now, but that's that's four up, man. I'm old. Huh? <laughs> Those are some of your hardest verses on the album, so I think you know. I think it's fine. Nobody would have right. would have known anything. <laughs> hey, I appreciate the love, bro. Cujo, Gibb, any of those sort of instances or things that, or even things that like you listen back to that kind of drive you a little crazy if you're being a perfectionist? Mm -mm. I just did open my mouth just then. I just talked like how I talk. <laughs> I, I could have went back and really, and, and really corrected a lot of diction because when I went back and looked at lyrics, when people tried to interpret what I was saying, it was always wrong. So you know, gotcha. uh -huh. that's one thing I can give to that brother Ludacris. He was just so crystal clear when he rapped. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? And that was something that that I was kind of like always wanted to do it. But it's like shit, you know, I'll, it's like when you record something and it feel good, it's like, man, I ain't doing that over. You know what I mean? Because it's like sometimes it ain't my fault. You just ain't from the South. Kujo, what about you? Man, uh, yeah, I got some of them moments. It was one song or it's one thing that just be goddamn irking me to this day when I hear it, man. It's all it's all good and bad. I think I messed up at the end, man. I I want I could have I should have went back in and did that, but don't nobody know it but me though. Wait, what what happened? What'd you say? What'd you say? What happened? It didn't come out right. I didn't get it out good enough. I didn't I didn't get it out good enough for guilt to come in right behind me. You know what I mean? I, I should have got damn Greg Lou Gaines that thing. I should have nailed that damn thing at the end. The the brain the brain uh -huh. in with that and like on um on six no not six minutes what's the song um that all of us is on man we me and CeeLo rapping fast as hell going back and forth watch for the hook now I wish I got there Rico Ray would say man George just going and slow the shit down just a little bit slow it down just a little bit but to this day man niggas don't even know what I said on that bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not gonna lie, but I know just about every word I watch for the hook. But we everybody gets quiet when you and when you and CeeLo start rapping, cause y'all. <laughs> hey man, don't even know what that is, man. That shit is crazy, man. But it was one song that I was like, damn, I wish I had to went on the album. It was this bitch. It was the one called uh, "Goody Mob Need to Holler at You." Ooh, man, that track was so goddamn. That might have been one of the most hip hopish track we ever had, man. That shit was tough, man. And you remember that one we did, uh, In My Shoes? Did that come out? Yeah, hey, I remember that. In My Shoes come out? In My Shoes, yeah, I was dope too. I'm glad you had In My Shoes. Did it come out? Did we ever put that out? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? So, man, it's, we got a couple of Jews out there. We did a deluxe edition with the B-size, man. We had albums we ain't put out, man. Ow. Go in there and tie down organized noise, man. Make them put, it, put them out, right. man. <laughs> I want you to talk about the legacy of Soul Food as a trap album, and then also who is making that sort of trap music now that is in that Soul Food legacy. And I guess just the overall, like what, you know, people doing trap everything. They're doing trap yoga. They're doing trap, you know, Pilates. They're doing trap brunch. Like, what do y'all think about the evolution of trap from then to now and who is sort of carrying on that legacy? It's great, man. You can't do nothing but say, I mean, you can't, I mean, Trap is gone where nobody ever thought it would go. Even, you know what I mean? Even having people on my team that were pop stars and not thinking that Trap was going to make it to, to London and like that. Like, Trap all over the world now. So, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest artists in the world is Gucci Man. So, I mean, if you look at, if you look at really what's going on, and then if you go from Gucci, then you can go, that's what Future does. Another variation of trap, you know what I mean? It, it took trap from what Gucci was doing and Jeezy was doing and and, and Ti was doing, and, he, and they put the singing on it. You know what I mean? So you got to look. It it didn't flip five times since we had it. So it's like if you look at it, it's like, hey man, you can't do nothing but respect it because it's done. It's it's done exactly what a lot of R and B disappeared. Trap didn't. <laughs> what people don't realize is that man, when you came down here to Georgia, man, man, they popped out with not only one genre of music. They hit you with the snap. They hit you with the trap. <laughs> man, I'm talking about hit you with all type of. I'm talking about. I'm talking about really just spread it. I'm talking about really just opened up the genre of hip hop. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I, I hadn't seen another region do that lately. You know what I mean? Even though they tried to they tried to downplay mumble, you know what I'm saying? Mumble rap, but I'm sorry, that is a that's a genre of rap. And people are using that genre of rap. You know, I've heard Wayne use that mumble. A, a few a few times, you know what I mean? A lot of these are young artists, so you can't sit here and not double-hand salute Georgia, man, for just even pushing the, the envelope the, the way we pushed it and how far how far we pushed that thing. You can't you can't deny that, you know what I mean? And and trap to me, trap is is no disrespect, but trap is more fly than gangster to me. You feel me? Gangster is just one type of way. That's just one type of way. But trap is kind of like fly. You know what I mean? 
You feel what I'm saying? It involves it involves a lot of things. It involves dressing. It involves finessing. It 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 involves you know what I'm saying? Being able to articulate and, and talk and do type of things. You know what I mean? So so you know what I'm saying? Georgia Atlanta man pushed that pushed that thing way out of out of the coloring lines, man. Way out of bounds. All right. So speaking of trap, I got rapid fire questions. Just quick fire questions. Usually they're not related to the album, but the first question is, what is 1365 Wichita Drive? 1365 Wichita Drive, man, is where uh, Cool Joe Goody damn near wrote all his lyrics for Soul Food, for the Soul Food album. That's where, mm. that's where me, my brother, my mama stayed in Southwest Atlanta. Uh, my uncle rented that house out to my mama, so we was able to uh, actually stay in that house and was able to go to Southwest Middle School and and Mays High School. So 1365 is a definitely a damn landmark, man, a Southern landmark. All right. What's the best, not including Soul Food, what's the best trap album of all time? Oh, man. What you got, Gil? I don't know. T.I. T.I. Got to. Ain't nobody messing around with the king. Who messing with T.I.? Trap House, Gucci, man. That Jesus. You got to talk to that Jesus, man. That Jesus. T.I. ain't before Jesus. Jesus after T.I. Thug Motivation, Trap or Die. Jesus was inspired by T.I. I know it. I just talking about it on the street, man. I just talking about. It. I hear you know that Jesus was definitely got done deadly though. I can't lie. The King, love the King. All I'm saying is, the King that had that BMF thing going on with his music, like that's why Jesus shit was just over the top. Cause it was like you had the clubs, you had the lifestyle, you had the first time you start seeing these around here with diamond chains on, like you know, that Jesus and that Alex Ag really, really turn this city into, he really helped that man really turn Jesus, and, and, and if you really look at it, like, from from time, see, I just think that Tip kind of, like, when he had to go sit down, Jesus put out so many big projects that really, really changed the way Trap was. So when Tip came back, it wasn't just about the way Tip rapped, the, the Trap, Jesus and Gucci had changed it. It was different. Put him against that urban legend, though. Which one? I mean, I mean, I'm just me. You could put that trap or die, that mixtape against urban legend. I agree. I agree. That man, the beats, man, the beats so hard, man. Them damn beats so goddamn tough. That's I tell you what, we got three. There's three. You got Tip, Jeezy, and Gucci, man. I mean, I mean, we can argue this. And, and, and I'm, I'm gonna let you know this, folks. The king of that shit is Gucci, man. At the end of the day, Gucci is the king. He had put out more artists than anybody. More artists, uh, uh, more people that he had put on have become successful rappers, and he's still doing it right now. He got more successful platinum artists locked up than no other trapper rapper had. Gucci is the king. He came, he left, came back home, had more hits, bigger hits than everybody. I think this is going to get y'all arguing even more. What's your favorite Dungeon Family track? Of all time. Watch for the hook. It is. Yeah, guaranteed. I tell you what I like, man. I like that Trans Death Express, man. That thing was so goddamn jamming, man. Well, I wanted to be on that song so bad, man, but it was it was gonna be too many people on there, man. But that thing was it was jamming, bro. I just, I, I love that one, man. The video was tough too, man. That shit was hard. We got watch for the hook at Trans DF. I watch for the hook, though, nasty boy. <laughs> 
I was just making an argument that Watch for the Hook is the best posse cut of all time. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. That might be the best posse cut of all time. Bro. All right. And the final question. What's one song from another artist that you wish was yours? I ain't going to tell you no lie, bro. Like, Travis Scott got some big records. He got some big records, boy. Like, that upper echelon, that was a dope record. That was a dope record. Like, man, I like art. I just like art. You know what I mean? I think Travis Scott really, really made some really, really big records that was worldwide. You know what I mean? So, Travis Travis got some records that, that I think is real dope, you know, for a Southern artist to reach the plateau that he reached and be from Houston, Texas, he was big. All right, Cujo, Timo, what's, what's, another, what's song of another artist that you wish was yours? That song that Jermaine Dupree and Ludacris got, that Atlanta song. Oh, Welcome to Atlanta? Yeah, man. I don't think we got, like, really like a, a, an Atlanta song that we've done. I know we've done a Dirty South song, but it's like, you know what I'm saying, like, at the games, you know what I'm talking about? Like, when that thing come on, man, that just, Man, that just turned them all the way up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dope, man. We could have just did one like that. You know what I mean? Just for me. But yeah, that, that'll be one of those, one of them songs like that. One of them Atlanta anthem songs. Like that we that we read it from Pastor Troy. I'm talking about you turn that you turn that shit on, man, at the game, bro. It man, it's on, man. I mean, classic, classic Atlanta shit, man. I mean, reveal it. I probably say, man, Thriller, man, for Michael Jackson. Okay. All right. I wish that was our song, man. <laughs> I really wish Little Mob had to come with Thriller, man. That could have been our first single, man, our first video. <laughs> we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the gusto, baby. I want the billions, baby. You didn't feel that. I wish I'd have made Thriller, shoot. <laughs> yeah. And we ain't doing it because it sounds good. We doing it because it's the hardest thing ever dropped, man. That Thriller record, man, nothing else out there could touch it, man. That video, man, nothing ain't been another one came on TV, man, could match it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Goody Mob rapping on Thriller, uh, Michael Jackson singing the hook. <laughs> boom, boom. Right. Hey, we gonna kill it, boom, kill it. Don't go doing Man, look, this has been an absolute dream come true to be talking to you guys. Like music, writerly, literary heroes talking about like a classic piece of work that has made me feel, you know, affirmed, made me feel my black ass Southern self every time I listen to it. Love you, brothers, for making that album. But thank you so much for being here and thank all of you for listening to Rap Stories. Uh, This has been your host. Uh, David Dennis Jr. with Goody Mob talking about soul food. Thank you all so much. Yes, sir. Anytime, man. Thank you, my brother. This podcast is produced by Podville Media for Anscape, a black-led media platform dedicated to creating, highlighting, and uplifting diverse black stories. Anscape, where blackness is infinite. Dina Morrison is the series producer. Our production team Brittany Danielle, Rob Spiewak, Lenika Belfield-Martin, Ethan Sands, and Eli Nellis. The series was edited by Stephen Williams, Kelsey Johnson, and Rob Ford. Executive producers, Steve Reese, Elizabeth Elson, and Oscar Zabayos. Raina Kelly is Anscape's vice president and editor-in-chief. David Oku created the original artwork for the series. Special thanks to Tracy Smith, 
Mike Shahade, Rami Mogadam, Katie Lawson, Beth Stoikov, Anna Grambling, Ashley Melfi, John Gotti, Kelly Evans, Ryan Broadhead, and Kevin Wilson. And I'm your host, David Dennis Jr. Thank you for listening.